Good morning, Heart Church. Uh, Shane here, and this is my daughter, Haley. You want to say anything? Please say hi, everybody. <laughs> We'd be typically joining you guys live via Facebook on this Sunday morning, but we are actually on vacation, uh, spending the week just being refreshed and, uh, and getting away from it all and unplugging a bit. And so we have a special treat for you this morning. Mike and Heather Brown are in the house, and Mike's actually going to be preaching. And many of you know him because he came a couple months back and preached for us and uh, just absolutely ministered the word. And they planted a church called Journey Church. Uh, not too long ago, and they're just really, really sweet friends. And so, um, and I just thought there's no better person that I'd rather have come and minister to you uh, while we are away. And so I want to pray for you. We love you. Can't wait to see you next week. Hope that um, you are doing well on this beautiful day. So Father God, I thank you for all that you have for Heart Church. God, I thank you for this moment that you have ordained the word that you have for Mike to bring to us. And so God, I ask that you'd speak through him. Jesus, I ask that right there in the middle of those living rooms or those bedrooms or wherever people are viewing, God, your presence would come. Your word would speak and bring freedom, bring healing, and bring hope like only you can do. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. We love you. We'll see you soon. Good morning, Heart Church. Oh my goodness, it is so great to be back with you. I mean, I have to admit though, I'd rather be with you person to person. I think we probably all want that. Well, hopefully most of us want that. But this is the beautiful thing about God. This is the beautiful thing about the spirit of God is because we are one body, the spirit is one. We are all together in spirit, amen? That's the beauty of this church, the church of God, not the building because the church has been sent out, right? But the church, and we praise God for that. I wanna ask you to do something. You may be sitting right now, can I ask you to stand up, right? Stand up right now. We're gonna do something a little bit different. We're gonna do some calisthenics, just kidding. No, this is what I want you to do. I don't know about you, but I needed more worship. I, I mean, I really did. I wanted to just sit in that. But could you stand and put your hands out like this. Now, you may be going, oh, I've done this thing before. There's a reason why we do a motion like this, because it trains our body and to be in a place of surrender. This is what we're saying to God right now is that we're surrendering because you and I have a choice right now. We have an opportunity. Did you know that? Did you know that every time that worship is proclaimed and the word is declared, you and I have an opportunity. And that opportunity is to either say yes or no to Jesus. Yes or no to God. Yes or no to that spirit coming upon us. So right now, can we pray again? Let's pray again. It's okay that we pray again, right? Let's pray. Putting our hands out in surrender. Lord God, thank you for today. Lord, thank you that your spirit transcends a lens. Thank you that we are all together in spirit, Lord, as, and we stand right now in a posture of saying yes. Yes, Lord, to your spirit. Yes, Lord, to your truth. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We give you access into our heart right now. Invade the areas of our heart that are dark. Soften the areas of our heart that are hard. Lord, heal the areas that are broken. Father, as we open this word, may this be the picture that you see we are surrendered. May we be surrendered. May our hearts say yes. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. Praise God. I hope you did. Thank you for doing that. If you want to do 10 jumping jacks, go ahead. That's fine. I get that. You could probably want that, that. No big deal. But hey, I am so glad to be here. My beautiful wife is not on camera, though she should, in all honesty, let's be honest, she should be the one on camera. Um, but you got me. Sorry, but that's okay. My beautiful wife is here. And what a blessing it is to be back. Um, I, we, were, we were praying this morning together, and um, I have to tell you, Heart Church truly is that. There's a heart for God here. There's a heart to love people here. Man, it's so great to be with like-minded people that have the desire for not only the people of God, but also this city that we're in, Escondido. Welcome to this time. So, as you probably know, <laughs> we're living in some pretty um, unprecedented times. I know Pastor Shane is taking, taking everyone through just the process of how to do this. What does the church, how is the church, like last week, how is the church going to do outside of the walls of the church, the building? Can it thrive? Well, I think we can all agree, yes, it can. And yes, it has right? But we're living in unprecedented times. It's filled with uncertainty, with angst, anxiety. It's filled with the unknown. But at the same time, listen, at the same time, we serve a God that is on the throne. He's in control and he's able to do far more. Listen, listen, he's able to do far more abundantly than you and I can ask or think. Catch this. Book of Ephesians chapter three says this according to the power within us, according to the spirit of God that is within us, he's able to do far more abundantly than you and I can ask. So with that in mind, with that as the landscape, why do we think that the time that we're in is any different? Why, why would we entertain the idea that because we don't understand what's going on and whether it's or where it's headed, that the time that we're living in right now is out of the reach of God's control. Why? Why would that be? Why would we even be? What's so different about what's happening now than what's happening several weeks ago? And of course, your answer would be, uh, <coughs> Pastor Mike, have you watched the news? In fact, I have probably too much like you. But, right, I understand that. But now maybe we wouldn't be declaring out of our mouth that, Lord, you're really not in control. I, we're all Christians, right? Or most of us are Christians, hopefully. And, you know, maybe we wouldn't necessarily say that. But maybe we don't say it with our mouth, but do we say it with our actions? Do we say it with our behavior? Do your emotions cry out, God, where's your control? What about your thoughts? What invades your mind in the midst of all of this? Is it that, oh no, God's in control, no problem. Or is it that you and I want to take control? Let me ask you a question. How do you want to come out of this? I mean, have you ever thought about that? Like, how do you want to come out of this pandemic? Most of us would say healthy, right? I know there are those in your congregation that are praising God right now that they're getting out of this healthy. Praise God. Thank you, Lord, for that. Do you want to go back to the same place that you were? 
Do we just want to get back to normal? Is that, like, is that where we want to be? Do we want to get back to normal? But how do you, how do you want to come out of it? I think, it's really, I, I think I can be relatively certain and say, there's not many of us that would want to be farther back on our relationship with God when getting out of this, right? But do we want to go back to where it was? Do we want to go back to normal? Or do we want something more? Should we want something more? Our dear friend Raylene last week made this observation and it rings so true for many of us. She says, through all of this, God has shown himself faithful to provide for our needs as he promised. Would you agree? Most of us could probably agree with that in one way or another, right? Even if, even if it, the, the, the vehicle is through the government, even if it's from other sources and gifts and whatever, that, but God has truly, we have a roof over our head. Hopefully we're healthy, our family as well. So overall, God has actually provided for our needs. Here's the problem though that has been revealed. What's been exposed is our desire for the things that we want. <laughs> and if you didn't know this, the Bible didn't promise that you'd get that. The Bible is very clear that he's going to provide for our needs. But isn't it interesting that many of us the consternation that we have if we really got down to the nitty gritty is what? What I want. Now listen, don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I, I think there's like a, what, sixth love language and it's going out to eat. Believe me, that's mine. I got it. Like I'm putting this broke because I like going out to eat. So I get the desire to want. Don't, don't get me wrong. But Isn't it interesting how the light has been shined on when I don't get what I want, it very well could be the source of anxiety. Now listen, I'm a control freak. I'm gonna admit that to you right now. I like to be in control. So when I'm not in control, especially, don't tell me what not to do. You know, if you ever watch Lost, don't tell me what I can't do. You know, Locke, right? Like, don't tell me what I can't do. I, that's the problem that I have. So believe me, I get it. So then I find myself saying, you know what? I just want to get back to normal. You know, and it's actually, I get it. That's a reasonable request to get back to normal. I find myself screaming for that. I just want things back to normal. But why is it that I want it back to normal? Now, you may be with me. Maybe, you know, you want things back to normal. But truly, why is that? And if I'm being honest for me, <laughs> is because I want control. I want to control my outcome. Man, that's terrible to, maybe I should have, here, can we edit that out? No, just kidding. Right, I, I like to control the outcome. But see, that's something that I have to deal with myself. What is yours? Why do you want to get back to normal? But the question is, should we? I understand the reasons for wanting to get back to normal. Don't get me wrong, I get that. But should we, should we want to get back to normal? Should we set our hearts and expectations on just getting back to the way it was? Is your heart so drawn to want to get back to that place that you came out of? 
because of this pandemic? If you have your Bibles, open your Bibles. We're going to be reading in the book of John because John chapter 21, John records an interaction with Jesus and it's, at, it's post his resurrection, right? And so John chapter 21 is going to give us a little bit of insight about going back to normal. So John 21, last chapter of the book of John, we're going to start in verse 1 and go through. Here we go. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, Sea of Galilee, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathanael of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, "I'm going to go fishing." They said to him, "We will go with you." They went out, got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. I want to give you a little bit of context of what's happening here. So this is considered the third appearance to a large group of the disciples that has been happening. But let's get a picture of actually what's been happening in the disciples' life because it's important to understand. So we have Palm Sunday, right, where Jesus came into the city. It was a huge celebration. It was amazing. The disciples were probably like, dude, not too long ago, you saying you were dying, but this looks like a huge party, Jesus. I think maybe you were a little off by that. So let's just celebrate. Oh, praise God, Palm Sunday, this happened. And then a week later, they find themselves in a garden. They see their Savior walking off and praying and just in so much distress probably haven't seen Jesus like that before, so that throws them for a little loop. I mean, they couldn't even stay awake. The next thing they know, Jesus himself is arrested. Peter cuts off the, cuts off the ear of the, of, the, uh, of the servant, and then they find him crucified. Jesus, the one that they believed as Messiah, now crucified, right? It's almost like they didn't really remember the fact that he had to die to live, like, they weren't making that conclusion. And so they, you know, even the garden, they, they scattered, they were scared and they see Jesus dying. And again, they're scared. But then Sunday happened, the resurrection, praise God. And now they see, oh man, now they see the risen Lord, resurrected Lord. What's happened? I mean, the range of emotion, Jesus is walking around for 40 days after he was raised appearing to many people, including them. I, I, how, how do you even begin to process that? I mean, how, how do you even deal with that? And so one of the last times that he appeared, we don't know where it was on that 40 day, 40 day time, but one of the last times that he's appeared is it's here. It's at the Sea of Galilee, right? If you remember in the book of Luke, it talked about it's the same type of interaction where Jesus is there. They're out in the boat. We're going to get into that, but I want to get you, this is the context of what's happening. Peter decides with the rest of the disciples, hey, I'm just going to go back to go fishing. Now, I've heard it said before that this was, could, could have been Peter's way of being like, you know what? I'm bouncing out. You know, I, I rejected Christ three times. Is it a bummer? Like, I, you know what? I'm out to do my own thing. I don't necessarily believe that's true. That's not necessarily what the text says either, especially when Jesus starts talking to him. I just simply think it was, I don't know, I don't know what else to do because 
Jesus is walking around. He's coming in and out of the house with no doors. Like, I, I don't, I, I'm going to go fishing. <laughs> That's all I know to do. Hey, you want to come along? And they do. They get out in the boat. They try to get back to normal. And guess what they caught? Now, I don't want to make a big deal about the fact that they didn't catch anything if it's not supposed to be a meaningful thing. But look what happens next. Let's continue. John 21. Verse 4. Just as the day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the other side of the boat and you will find some. Now, that's where we connect the book of Luke right? The disciples had to kind of be like, wait a second. I remember somebody telling us to cast on the other side before, and it was a huge catch. Now, it doesn't necessarily say in scripture that they started to know, but you can imagine that they did. This guy a hundred yards away on the shore saying, hey, did you catch anything? No. Yeah, just put it on the other side. Let me see what happens. I think they started to wonder, wait a second, because notice they did it right away. Last time they didn't. Check this out. Continuing on verse six. So they, so they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of the, of the fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. John recognized this thing happening and he says, that is the Lord. And then we can always count on Peter. Just jump right out of the boat. When Simon Peter heard that it was, that was Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish for they were not far off from land, but about a hundred yards off. Now, this is what's interesting about this situation. Again, I don't want to make a big deal about something that's not supposed to be a big deal, but this is what I noticed. P Peter went out to do the normal and his result in normal was this. But once Jesus, once Jesus came on the scene, something began to happen. There was the largest catch that they have ever had. Now, you may tell me, okay, don't worry, Pastor Mike, I got it figured out. I'm going to go back to normal, and then I'm just going to ask Jesus to be in my circumstances, right? Good. Hey, no, I get that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, you you got to read, yeah, read the rest of the story, which we're going to get to. But I wanted to point out before we continue, is something that in the book of Malachi, the prophet Malachi said this about the Messiah. In chapter three, he says this about the Messiah, that he, talking about the Messiah, he said, he is like a refiner's fire and a launderer's bleach. A refiner's fire. Now, if you know anything about refining metal, you know, getting it down to its purest form, what they have to do is they have to put it under extreme heat and then it begins to mold and then it begins to be pliable, but then, then all of the uh, impurities rise to the surface. This is what's interesting for us to note. Is it possible? Is it possible? Just go with me. That God has an intention in the time that we're living in right now. Is it possible that God has put a pause on your life to allow you and I to be refined? Is it possible that God is using something that happened 
to, to, to fill his church, to fill his people with extraordinary power for God to, ex, to extend his kingdom? Is it possible that that's what God is doing? Is it possible that God knows exactly what's happening? In fact, he knew it in eternity past. This time would happen to you and I. You and I are in this spot right now. Is it possible that the problems that we're having right now have far less to do with what we want and more to do with the fact that a refiner fire is hot, the impurities are rising to the top, and we don't know what to do with it? Is it possible? Now, according to the metal refining process, the only way that the, the kind of rocky form of gold and silver actually becomes movable is extreme heat. The prophet Malachi says that the Messiah is like a refiner's fire. You may say, well, Pastor Mike, I don't really feel like things are changing. I just find myself more anxious and leaning more towards fear and anxiety and angst. I get that. I understand that. In fact, I have to battle that often. But could it be, could it be that we so much have our eyes fixated on external things that when the internal thing is happening, we don't recognize it as a as a impurity rising up so that you can, so that you and Jesus together can address it. But we, we, we find that what happens with the impurities, the refiner's fire happens, the impurities rise to the top. But listen, this is what happens. The impurities find the path of least resistance to get out. Many times though, that path of least resistance is our weaknesses the thorn in the flesh that we often have. And what's interesting about those impurities is it almost acts as a multiplier. It acts as a multiplier. For me, I'm gonna be honest one more time, I have an anger problem. I've always had an anger problem. So in the midst of this pandemic, when I have the refiner's fires happening to me and it's difficult, what happens is those impurities rise up. God's trying to get my attention to deal with something. But what happens is since I'm concentrated on the external things, pandemic news, oh my gosh, government, freedom, and all these other different things, all of a sudden now what, where that, that, that impurity needs to be cleansed by God, it now is leaking into the thing that I'm weak in, which makes me angry. And now all of a sudden what I'm showing is more anger and I don't know why. See, when we have our eyes concentrating on the things outside, now listen, I'm not saying put your head in the sand. That, listen, that's not what I'm saying. But do we really think that God's on the throne or not? Quite frankly, we could stop right there and pray that that's, it. we need to decide that. Is he on the throne or not? In your household today, in your household right now, with your family or by yourself, is God still on the throne or not? If your answer is yes, then the external things don't matter. Yeah. <laughs> you know what just happened there? <laughs> I felt it, I felt it, I felt it through the lens. One, it made people uncomfortable. And there's some of you that thought, well, I don't think that's true. Okay, so the alternative is then, he's not in control and you and I need to take control. 
Because see, there is, <laughs> there is no other option. Either God is in control and we have to let him figure that out or he's not. See, I believe right now that God is doing something extraordinary in the life of the people of his church. See, I think what the enemy may have tried to use as a way to destroy the church and slow it down only gave it strength and more power as we rely on God. But there's a difference in there. You have to rely on God. Are you relying on God or are you just waiting to get back to your normal? Peter tried. Peter did. Is your getting back to normal going to end up with no fruit? Okay, Pastor Mike, fine. Fine. Then the, 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 uh, fine. There's no normal. Fine. But what do you want me to do? I don't know what to do. All I know is my normal. That's the beauty part of the position and season that we're in right now is that Jesus wants to give you and I the new normal. Let's continue with Peter. Back to John 21. They come up. <clears throat> they come up off the boat. They drag the fish in. It's amazing. It's great. They have breakfast. I mean, Jesus is a chef. I'm sure he nailed it. I'm sure it was amazing, right? I'm sure it was awesome. Fish for breakfast, though. I was always, always like, eh, yeah. Well, I guess you could have that salmon thing. Yeah, moving on. Here we go. We're going to jump down to verse 15, okay? Please pay attention. You're like, oh, I've heard that. Listen, please pay attention. Here we go. Jesus and Peter. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, we don't exactly know what Jesus is talking about when he says more than these. He could be talking about the disciples, but I don't know if that makes sense. He could be talking about the fish, the huge catch that he just got in. Do you love me more than the bankroll that you're going to get from that? It very well could be that. Either one the principle still remains. Jesus is saying, do you love me? And in fact, when you look in the language, it's saying, do you really love me? Peter's response. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. <clears throat> okay, continues. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Do you really love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Verse 17, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? At this point, Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And Peter responded, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. This is what I want to catch here. <clears throat> I think what Jesus is doing with Peter in this moment is getting deeper and deeper into the heart, is getting deeper and deeper into the soul. And then as, as he asks the same question three times, what he's asking is, do you really love me? Really? Really? And our response, even as a Christian today, even the people in the room, we would say, if Jesus says, hey, do you love me? Automatically, well, yes, yeah. <laughs> yes, Lord, we love you. But then when he asks the second time, it's like, it's almost like this impression of, now I need to ask myself the question, well, do I, do I, really, do I really love you? This 
place of contemplation. It's almost like Jesus is drawing us to go down into our spirit to say and ask ourselves, well, yes, I believe that I do. But then he comes a third time. Do you really love me? Man, I don't know if, I don't know about you, but talk about needing to go deeper because there's something that needed to be flushed out. He continued to be the refiner's fire. Keep asking that question from the son of God that he continues to ask, do you love me? Well, yeah, do you love me? Yeah, yes. Do you really love me? See, I think Jesus in this interaction with Peter was presenting to Peter a new normal because you notice his response was his now, now the blueprint of what Peter's new normal was. If you know Peter, you know Peter didn't get back into the boat. Peter went forward to lead the church, his new normal. What if Jesus is on the shore of your heart right now and he's trying to get your attention? He's trying to say, hey, child, don't, no, toss it on the other side. Toss it on the other side. I need to show you a new normal. I want to give you three. I want to just, I don't normally do this. I don't usually do steps or things like that because quite frankly, your relationship is between you and Jesus. So you need to contemplate this. But I want to offer these to you. And the first thing is assessment. See, I think you and I need to do an inventory of the emotions, of the passions, of the behaviors or thoughts that have risen during this time of being on self-quarantine or being this time of being in a stay at home. What, what is it that has risen up in you that you've noticed? What has been that thing that, that you're having trouble with? Now, we could always blame the outside things. Hey, I just want to go to, I want to, I want to be free to do what I want. What if you were to ask yourself the question, why? Why is it that I want that? Because I want whatever. Assess that. Take an inventory of those things that have risen up because I believe in every person, I believe this wholeheartedly, that right now with everybody in the church worldwide, the refiner's fire is happening and the impurities are rising to the top so that you and Jesus can see them and wipe them clean. I believe that they're there. But what I also believe is happening is that since our eyes are on outward circumstances, they're leaking into those things and we don't see them as internal things. We simply see, see them as power and strength behind the, the, the weakness that I already have. So assess those things. Pay a particular attention to the ones that are recent. What are those things? What emotions are happening in you? So you make that assessment. The second thing that I would encourage you in is at that point that you've assessed, okay, you've done internal work. I'm not talking external, please. We're talking internal. This is where God's doing, doing the work. We're talking internal. The second thing is examination. The Bible encourages us to examine ourselves to see if we are in the faith. That's in the word. And so as you assess, what are your passions right now? What, what are you getting so worked up about? What, what, is, what is that? What is at the root of those things? As you, as you assess those things, now dig deep and examine each one of those. 
Examine each one and ask yourself, this is the greatest discipleship tool that has ever been used, and it's simply this, ask yourself the question why. Not the, not the first why, but the second why, and the third why, and the fourth why. Because I believe just as Peter, just as Peter was be, being driven down farther into the depth of his soul to the truth of what he truly believed and what he had to confess, Jesus is going to be doing the same thing in our lives as we say, Lord, this is what has risen to the top. How, why is that? And Jesus lovingly asks you the question, well, do you love me? Yes, I do, but look, look at these things. Well, do you love me? Yes, I do. Then look. And you and Jesus begin to have this relationship that says, let's work on this or let's work on that or allow me. Listen, if you all of a sudden out of nowhere, all of a sudden your weakness has been cleared from you, you, you would almost think sometimes that you did it on your own, like, wow, I'm amazing. I'm a super Christian. I totally got rid of my weakness. But what if it's you and Jesus, you on your knees, travailing in prayer, saying, Lord, help me through this. And all of a sudden you're released from that. Who gets the glory? You or him? Him, every single time. So I can tell you right now that when this, this, this fire, this extreme temperature of situation happens because of the refiner's fire, because what the Messiah wants to do in our life, these impurities rise up. And it's almost like a gut check to you and I, Jesus going, do you love me? Because see, your answers are gonna be different than when it was just normal, just normal time. But the new normal, look what Jesus did with Peter. Feed my sheep, tend the flock. Feed my lambs, tend the flock, feed my sheep. That was Peter's new normal. This is what I believe for you and I. As we take the assessment of these things that are happening, and then we go through, we do the examination of what, what are these things? What will start to happen is our third point, and that's transformation. I believe that as we examine the impurities that rise up like, Lord, what is this that you and I will begin as we, as we seek him, as we seek his face, as we seek the reasons for what is going on here, as our heart says, Lord, I do love you. You know everything. I, I, I do. I do. What will we begin to emerge, please hear me, is a pathway to transformation. And that transformation will be you and I's new normal. If we wait, listen, every single one of us have the opportunity to waste our time. Right now, we can, so we can listen, I'm 24 hours on the, you know, the, the news. Believe me, I've been that guy. But what if God says, listen, listen I'm going to put a pause on everything. I'm going to put everybody in their own homes to deal with the... Now, listen, I, believe me, I get it. You know, if, hopefully my kids aren't watching, but I love my kids, but we all need a break. You know, you know, you know you, you, admit it, you're in your own home. I, believe me. But what if God is using these circumstances to force us to be internal and go, okay, Lord, what is it that you want to do in me? Maybe God wants to prune you and I. What, what if? See, listen. <laughs> if we allow the enemy to infuse us with fear and anxiety and be so outward thinking, he will have accomplished what he wanted to. But the Lord, I believe his heart is to swipe those impurities away. I believe the Lord 
wants to purify us even more for greater service, for greater things in the kingdom. We right now, listen, please. We right now have an opportunity to lean into the kingdom and to expand the kingdom with his power. Or, let's go back to normal. Now listen, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. That, that's, not, that's not what I'm trying to do. Maybe the normal is the, 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 the safe place for you. I get that, I understand that. But maybe but maybe you give the Holy Spirit a chance right now, right now, give the Holy Spirit a chance to reveal to you that there could possibly be a reason. Oh, come on. You gotta know that. God, God is too big to allow something this big to go unused. It's his tool. He can use something like this. If you've ever read scripture, if you know anything about the word, it says everything works out together for good. For who? For who? You can say it yourself. For those that love God and are called to his purpose. I'll tell you who's called. If you said yes to Jesus, then you're called. That means something like this, a pandemic that could be scary. I get it. That could be filled with fear. I get it. I understand that. But according to the word, according to the truth of this word, it could be worked out for good. And I don't know about you, but I want to leverage that truth in my favor. I don't want to let this time that fear is nipping at my heels. Depression wants to come upon us, come upon us quickly. Isolation, being forced into isolation, being so consuming. I get that. But what if we say, God, your problem is outside and you and I are going to work out the things that have risen to the top. And what if we walk out of this in our new normal where God, as he said, do you love me? And you say, yes. And he says, then this is your new normal. But do you really love me? Go deeper. Yes, Lord, I do. This is your new normal. But Lord, but Lord, what's next? He says, do you really love me? Gosh, Lord, I swear, I, I, I believe that I do. Then here is your new normal. Friends, please don't miss this. Please don't miss the opportunity that what God is doing in this time right now with his church, be a part of that. Assess what's going on. Do an examination of what's going on. And friends, transformation is it within your grasp because God wants to take us through the process of getting to the place to where we're here, where even though there's intense fire, even though the, the, the pressure of the whole thing just seems unbearable, but all, it's, all God is trying to do is get out those things that no longer need to be your normal because now the distractions of your normal have been removed so that you and I can concentrate on the things that hinder us. That is the opportunity. Praise God. Transformation is within grasp. The kingdom, I can feel it around us. The kingdom wants to be advanced. The Holy Spirit is wanting to move. In his wisdom, I don't get it, but in God's wisdom, he has said that he works through his people. You and I. I believe our new normal is going to be coming out of this on fire. Don't allow, don't allow the outward circumstance to hinder you. You just simply get to the place of, that's God's problem. I'm taking this time for me and Jesus to be tight. So when he asks me those three times, I'm like, heck yeah, let's do this, Lord. I love you. You sure? Oh, oh, oh yeah. But do you? Oh yeah, I do. Right? <laughs> and you walk out the door of this pandemic. <laughs> taking ground for the kingdom, friends. That's what it's all about, is taking ground for the kingdom. Can I pray? 
because I'm sweating and I need to be done. So <laughs> let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for what you've done, Lord. Thank you. I'm, Lord, uh, this is going to sound weird. And I, thank you for the state that we're in. Lord, I believe you're forcing our hands saying, church, you're so much more than you believe you are. You have so much more power than, than you think you have. Lord, I thank you for that, Father. And I pray that everyone who hears this, any, anyone even that, that, that as they jump into your word, Lord, may the power of your word infiltrate the hardness, the fear, the depression of our hearts, Lord. And may we come out, Lord, on fire for you knowing the power that is within us, according to Ephesians 3. Lord, do abundantly more, abundantly more, Lord, than we can even ask for. We love you. Lord, thank you for Heart Church. Lord, thank you for Shane and Heather. Lord, thank you for the Rogers family and the work that they're doing in Escondido. Thank you for the people here that serve so wholeheartedly, Lord, that, that show that's the reason why this is Heart Church. Oh, Lord, we love you. We thank you, Father. We thank you for each one listening, Lord. We pray a blessing and, and safety and health, Lord, but may we not walk in fear in Jesus' name. May fear not be what we walk in, Lord, but in confidence and hope and grace with you, Lord. We thank you so much for who you are. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you as you go. Have a great day.